What's going on, folks? Welcome to another edition of the Live Life of Rest and Bleed show. This is Hogan and Mike Mahler on the show that you know and love. Back again. What's up, man? I'm doing good, man. And you can tell when we haven't done a show in a long time because we've talked for about an hour and a half, and only now we started recording. <laughs> right. <laughs> we have to take a long break if to catch up on what's been going on since the last time we did an episode. And it goes, exactly. okay, what are you going to talk about today? And we were, we were actually supposed to have Christian Thibodeau on the show. We were going to do a tribute episode for Charles Poliquin. For those of you that don't know, he passed away in early October, and it was a real shocker for those of us because no one really saw that coming. So we were going to have Christian come on and talk about how Charles influenced him, and then we were going to share our own thoughts on Charles. Christian couldn't make it. He got he got locked in a dog park. <laughs> and you can't make this stuff up, people. It really happened. He took a park, and he drove his dog to this park, and then someone gated him in, so he can't get out, and he's waiting for the police to come get him out. So that's either the truth or a very good elaborate lie to get out of coming on the show. <laughs> It'll be, we'll find out which when we, when we get them on. We'll get them on down the line. But it's, it's been a rough couple of years for not just Charles Poliquin passing away, but we lost Chester from Lincoln Park, Vinny from Era, and what's his other bands? Hell yeah. I mean, it's yeah. just, it seems like every day you turn on the news, there's someone who's passed away. There's, there's no all, part of it, like influences like that may have influenced you like when you were coming up or growing up. Little, little yeah. bits and pieces. That's, that's a, that that's the one sucky thing about aging. You know, you like you start just losing those little pieces of your history. You know, even if you right. didn't notice people personally, you feel like there's a little bit of your comeuppance that is like being like gone away. You know, but you know it 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 sucks when you say it, but like um it it is a part of life. It's part of the whole cycle. And it, sometimes it catches you by surprise, especially when a lot of people are not living their best life. They're still deferring, you know, parts of their life because they think that they have time. And then these little moments happen and you realize, nah, bro, <laughs> you really don't have time. It is not yours to have. So it's like, so. Yeah, Charles, Charles, I don't know the exact circumstances of his death. And it's not really for me, to, it's not really appropriate to talk about it, even if I did. But the bottom line is, I, from what I've, from what I do know is that this was not something where he was dealing with some serious illness and then he passed away. This came out of nowhere. I believe some, some kind of heart issue. So like you just said, he was living his life and probably had plans of what he wanted to do. And then like that, on circumstances that are out of your control, take that all away. So there's really no time to delay doing what you want to do, living to the fullest. And that was the message he always got out there. A lot of one thing is that, People, everyone knows Charles Poliquin as one of the best strength coaches to ever do it, but he was a guy that was always very ahead of his time. He talked about the importance of hormone optimization for physical performance before anyone else did. He talked about the importance of strength training principles, periodization within the context of a bodybuilding protocol before anyone really got into it. So he was ahead of the curve in so many ways. And I remember when I, I, I was I was a fan of his way before I got into the fitness business. I, I read his Poliquin Principles book. I read his column in Muscle Media Magazine. That's where most of us were introduced to him was via Muscle Media Magazine. And he talked about bodybuilding principles, but there was always a strong component of building strength as well. And that appealed to me because I've always been a, a strength guy. I've always been focused on getting strong, but we all want to look good too. So he right. brought those two all together in a very effective manner. And then I was fortunate enough to interview him back in 2003. One of the things I did to build my business when I first got in 
was influ- was interview other people that had big names. And this was multi, this was beneficial in multiple ways. One, it allowed me to network with people that are very successful in a business I was just getting into. Two, as a fan, it was just great to talk to these people. But it was also a way to let them know who I am. You know, I'm here. I want to be part of this club. I want to be in this world. So it's right. an extremely effective networking method. And this is way before podcasting. It was almost podcasting before podcasting because I would, rec- I would record these interviews on the phone and then I would transcribe it for publication. You know, now you would just put it on the phone and release it as a podcast episode or a YouTube interview, et cetera. But this is before technology was that efficient. I mean, if you wanted to listen to an interview online back then, most of us didn't even have high hey, speed. It would take dude, two hours. It was such a pain. You'd, you'd have to like we were doing an Internet radio station back then when no one was really doing that. And like to sit there, and have to use like real player and convert a wave file, you know, to like MP3s really weren't that big of a thing back then you had to right. make it available for streaming on real player and i forgot the other format or whatever and it was such a pain but if people even understood all these people that like listen to podcasts now and now feel like well i'm gonna start a podcast and you know it's so easy for you now whereas back then right. you know you we were doing live internet radio and people were like well I'll, you know you have these other djs or people who are trying to leave that terrestrial radio life well, I'm going to do the same thing. And then they realize this is not easy. <laughs> I'm like, no, not at all. Now, don't get don't get it twisted. Podcasting is really not that easy either. It's easy just to like start recording yourself about something. But to actually make an effective show takes some right. planning and it takes work and it takes consistency. You know, that's one thing I can give the Pollock one. You know, he really drove home by driving, you know, by, uh, by consistency, by oh, being yeah. consistent. And really sticking with that plan, not just hopping from here and there and, oh, this program, that program, that program. It's just like truly trying to decipher like what it is that you're trying to get from this and where you want to go with this and then putting that, formulating that plan together and sticking to it. And, right. you know, and it's been like that since, like you said in the early days when he was writing those articles and he yeah. saw that then. Because it was, and the good thing about back then, like when he first came up on the scene, you didn't have, you weren't overwhelmed with so many different training programs. And so many so-called experts coming at you all the time. Even those magazines like Muscle Media, Muscle Fitness, and all that, you didn't have like a just where each month you have like 10, 20, 30 different trainers, you know, all vying for some space in the magazine to show you how good they were, you know, and confusing you with this. And one minute you're saying like, okay, here's the proper way to eat to make gains with this. And then four pages over, another dude says the same thing, but a different way and a totally different method. And then another dude, and then another dude, and another dude. So by the time you finish the magazine, you've got like 10 different ways to make be- better gains. So now you're confused, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. whereas now it's even worse. <laughs> it's even worse. <laughs> so it's, it's just yeah, so Paul, really good at, he was a big believer. He had a lot of philosophical beliefs too. He was an avid reader of Japanese philosophy in particular. And he brought the concept of Kaizen to the strength training world, which is a philosophy of improving the process to get the desired results. And that's one thing that he was really focused on as well is these slow and gradual results that add up to big results over time. So he's a very philosophical guy. When I interviewed him, it was a little intimidating for me because I was such a big fan of his work. And this is really early in my career. So I'm just happy to be doing this. I'm just happy to get him on the phone. But we had a really good conversation. I actually still have the cassette tape. 
So I'm going to try to find it. It's on a cassette. That's how long ago this was. <laughs> I'm going to have to try to find. Oh, I'm going to have to try there to find. There are people listening to the show that know not what you're speaking of right now, sadly. They're like, a what? <laughs> yeah. uh, I might as well say I used an 8-track to record this. Yeah, it's a cassette. <laughs> I, I actually wanted to listen to the interview, but the problem is I don't have a cassette player anywhere. You know? Well, guess what? <laughs> Believe it or not, they actually have now USB cassette players now where you can actually transcribe those and make them digital. Well, that's good to know because I want to, I have a bunch of interviews. I have Paula Quinn. I have Ori Hoffmeckler. I've got Steve Maxwell. I've got Clarence yeah. Bass, Blank Shamrock. A lot of these people have been on the LLA show, but these are early interviews I did. And they're really, early they're really too, man. So they don't really cost that much. Yeah, I'll look into that because I think it would be cool <laughs> to get some of those episodes as we can give them to our Patreon listeners, just bonus episodes. Yeah. To get all these transcribed interviews, not transcribed interviews, but the actual interviews to our to our guests. But that was it was a really good episode with Paula Quinn. And then back then, when you did an interview with someone, you transcribed it. You always sent it to the person for their approval. I mean, it's something you should right. still do now. <laughs> it's just a polite thing to do. But back right. then, it wasn't polite. They, right. if you didn't, do that, you get your persona non grata. They expect you to send it to them. They wanted to look at it. They would tell you any changes they want to make. And then you would send it in for publication. And I did a really good job transcribing it. And Paula Quinn noticed that. And he said, wow, you did a great job at this. He's like, I can't tell you how many interviews I've done where it's a big mess and we waste a lot of time. He goes, you don't have to change everything. Everything looks really good here. So he was he was somewhat annoyed when he first came on the show. That was kind of his personality. He often sounded like he was irritated. And I think, <laughs> right. I, right. I think he was genuinely irritated. But I think he was a guy that was so busy and he got tired of being asked the same stupid questions over and over again. So you would hear it in his voice when he didn't want to answer something. Like I, I'm like, oh, yeah, you're a big fan of active release technique, right? He goes, obviously. <laughs> you know, because he knew I knew the answer to that question because you know, it, it, written articles about it and so forth. Right. He wasn't he rude. He was just very blunt. He was just very matter of fact. But that was really cool talking to him. And anyway, he was really happy with the interview. I got a, I don't even remember where I got it published, but I did get it published somewhere, and he was very happy about that. And then I didn't really talk to him for a long time after that. And then out of the blue, maybe three years later, I got this email, and it said, congratulations. And it was from Charles Poliquin. I go, congratulations. I win the lottery? Not a whole lot. I opened up the email and he goes, man, I've been following your career and I love your articles at T Nation and all the charitable work you're doing is really impressive. I just wanted to give you some props. And I'll kid you not, man, I was that made my day because this is a guy I really looked up to. And for him to take time out of his day just to acknowledge my development and things I'm, I have going on, that meant a lot because he's not a guy who praised many people either. If anything, he talked a lot of smack about people he thought were quacks in the industry. Right. <laughs> so he didn't go out of his way to, to praise a lot of people because I think in his mind, there weren't a lot of people that were praiseworthy. So that, that right. meant it. That was a big deal. That meant a lot. And then a couple of years after that, maybe around 2008, he wrote a blog piece for his website, who I respect in the industry. And it was all about me. And it was him going detailed information about charities I've supported, articles I've written, my training philosophy, he made a point of saying Mike's a vegan and I don't believe in that, but I respect him and his, his results are great. He's like, I'm not a fan of kettlebell training, but Mike has great information on kettlebells. So if you want to check it out, go do this. I had people like courses in the UK tell me that when they went to Poliquin's courses and, and asked him about kettlebells, he would say, go to Mike. I don't recommend anyone else. And I'm not saying I necessarily agree with that, but, but you know, that's, that's <laughs> to say that because then there's a lot of great kettlebell instructors. So obviously, I'm, I'm not, I don't even teach it anymore, but when I did, there's there were plenty of other people that were great. 
but just the, the, the level of, of, of bluntness that people appreciate about him. He just said what was on his mind. And then also, I had many people tell me that when they took his courses, my name came up often when people asked about the vegan diet. And I think he wasn't a guy that changed his views necessarily on the vegan diet, but I think it gave him pause when he met me and saw my results because it made him think, okay, you can actually make this work. Now, he didn't believe you can make it work on an elite level in the Olympics and so forth. And that's just his experience from working with so many athletes. He didn't come across it. Now, just because right. you didn't come across it doesn't mean it didn't work, but his, he's, he's basing his views on, on his, his experience. Right. Yeah, which is, you know, he has a right. But I think I, I gave him some pause. And I think the fact that he dealt with so many people that just fell in line with whatever he believed. They would just absorb whatever he believed and then regurgitate it, right? He dealt with a right. lot of people like that. So here's a guy like me who's definitely influenced by his strength training principles, but I also do a lot of things different than him. I eat a vegan diet even though he don't think even though he doesn't think it's effective. I'm a big proponent of kettlebell training, even though he doesn't think it's effective. So I think there was a level of respect there that he believed that I was a free thinker and he liked that. He liked right. the fact that I did things different than him. There was a level of respect there. So that that article that was that was a big deal. I remember I got a ton of emails from people going, "Man, you know, congrats on on that article on Charles' website." I got I didn't even know what people were talking about, and then I right. went and looked. I was like, wow, and, you know, that was really nice of him to write that. It just came right out of the blue. I didn't expect that. And I think I got a, a thousand new subscribers to my newsletter within 24 hours of that coming out because that's how influential this guy was. When I wrote, uh, there was a bunch of articles I wrote that he republished on his website. One, eight tips for increasing testosterone. And he would republish that several times on his Facebook page and on his website. And every single time he did, I knew because a ton of orders would come in. And that's the level of influence someone like him had. He's, and he wasn't even recommending stuff in the article. I'm the one who wrote the article and it was my name on it. But just the fact right. that it was on Charles' website gave it a lot of credibility. And he was very generous with other people as well. People like Christian Thibodeau, others who wrote articles he would republish on his website. He would send them business. Very generous with that. He also did a lot of charitable work that people weren't aware of. One organization he supported was Destiny Rescue, which is very similar to Project Child Save. They rescue kids from ch sex slavery and human trafficking. So that's an organization. I wasn't even aware of that organization until I found out this is after he passed. I, someone put up a fundraiser that this is an organization that he really supported. And if, if anyone wanted to make a donation in his honor, go here, this GoFundMe page. I put it up on my Facebook page if anyone wants to take a look at it. But th that, was, that was really cool. And then he also supported a lion sanctuary in Colorado. Yeah. Believe it or not, even though he was a big meat eater, he was very big on protecting the environment. He didn't believe in, he didn't think that factory farming was sustainable or something you should support. So while he was an avid meat eater, he had respect for nature, environment. And he still was a conservationist. So. Yeah, exactly. And if, that if animals are going to be killed, let's do it in the most humane manner. So whether you agree with any of that or not, that's where his views were coming from. So right. I think that's where we had some common ground. So all around, just a really good guy. He had a, a great relationship with his daughter. His daughter, I believe, is a teenager now. And he always spoke very highly of her. He was very proud of her. Great father from what I could see. He had a really good relationship with her. And that's who I felt the worst for when I found out about him passing. Because I know that they had such a tight relationship and he was... Yeah. A, 
strong influence on her. So for him not to have, for her not to have him in her life anymore, I'm sure that's extremely difficult. And I hope listening to something like this or just hearing the praise that other people had for Charles gives her some comfort because he had such a positive influence on so many people. So, yeah, man. And it's just, it's what's, I don't know what it's like. We were talking about all these people have passed, you know, recently. You know, there was a time like in kind of going with pop culture right there toward the end of the 60s, early 70s. You have this what was called the Twenty Seven Club, and yeah. you had like Jim Morrison, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, you know, um, you know all these people that passed right at Twenty Seven. Then you got Kurt Cobain who later on, twenty something, thirty years later, you know, passed at the same time. Um, Amy Winehouse, but now it seems like that number is fifty seven. I don't know what yeah. it is, man. You yeah. know, you know, and that's how old Charles was when he passed, and and I believe God. I, like a lot of recent celebrities, they are passing right there at 57. <laughs> so yeah. it's kind of like <laughs> one of those things where, you know, for the longest, like all those pop stars I just mentioned in the 27 Club, these were like artists that I grew up really like loving before I even understood what this whole 27 Club was about and in their deaths and all that. And then it just got to the point where when it started making sense to me, I was like really trying to like, it made, it, I, it gave me pause especially once I got in my 20s, I got to college, and especially, you know, you wild not in college, man, and doing things, but I was yeah. like, you know what, you gotta, you gotta get your shit together, man. You know, 27 is right around the corner. You, know, you could be in this club, too. You know, I've already gotten past one statistic, you know, there was during the 90s, they loved the statistic talking about most black males won't make it to 21. And I got to 21, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, F you, ha, here I am. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> it, it seemed like that statistic never really bothered me. I thought it was just, I don't know, it just, it seemed like, it didn't seem real to me. You know, whereas this 27 Club did. So, you know, now, you know, it seems like there's becoming this 57 Club. So it's kind of like, you know, but I, um, it gives me pause to think like, oh, not to the point like I got to get my stuff together, but to reflect on like, oh, you know what? As of right now, I really have no regrets. You know, I, I'm, I'm living the life that, you know, that I'm molding and putting together and I'm not deferring anything you know, truly, truly important to me that I feel like I must do this, do this before this happens, you know, before I'm gone. Whereas like, I'm living, man, I'm doing that thing. And, and that's what this, you know, when Charles passed, it's just kind of like, okay, it kind of caught me off guard at first when you posted it. I was like, what the hell is this? I was like, I was like, okay, this can't be true. You know, of course, you know, if I started trying to look around like, okay, let me just, let me just see and make sure that this is just not a rumor or something like that or some hater out there is throwing shade, you know, because he's Charles has probably called them out on their quackery. And now they're probably like trying to come up, you know, in this day of social media now, you have to kind of like really fact check things now like that. But then, you know, once I went to the page, his page and saw that, I was like, oh, wow. I was like, wow. And then of course, I think like, wow, we just you think about it, we just not too long ago had him on the show and we've had yeah. him on the show multiple times. You know, I could probably say that. We're probably one of the few podcasts where he's visited, you know, on multiple yeah. occasions like that, yeah. you know, freely. He, he did he very big or whatever general. else. Said, there was one time, like, the recording equipment out early, like the first, I think <laughs> yeah. the first time we had him on. And, you know, we had, we, we, were, <laughs> yeah, man, we were on, we were really like running on some shoestring stuff, you know, trying to do what we, we could do. And the software we were using to record or whatever, we had such a great, that was a great episode. Yeah, yeah it was. So much information, man. And then I know when I went to edit it and I looked for the file and I looked for the file, I was like, you've got to be, no, 
I'm not going to accept this. I'm not, this can't be happening. This can't be happening, especially with him of all people. I said, especially when I think about some of the other guests before him who didn't give as strong shows, but yeah. it, they were, they were, they were available. You know, no issues right. whatsoever. Skype didn't right. mess up or anything for those people. It was just like, this is the one time I was like, come on, man, don't do this. Don't do this. <laughs> and sure enough, it was gone. I was like, okay, A, I'm pissed off at myself that I had to witness this. I said, now I got to sit and tell Mike this episode is non-existent. <laughs> you know, it's like, I mean, I searched my computer thoroughly, dude. I did so many scans. I, I pretty much want to throw the damn thing out the window. I said, and the worst part is like, well, he'll never come on this show ever again. You know, so it's just one of those things, man. And, you know, once yeah, I, know. I told yeah. Mike, even you were just me like, oh, fuck. Yeah, I didn't even want to come. Um, but I contacted him, I explained the situation, and he was very cool about it. He's like, hey, no yeah. problem. He goes, I'm busy for the next couple of weeks, but I'll come back on around this time frame. I said, perfect. Yeah. And I, I made a point of donating. I, mean, I was going to donate to some of the charities he supports anyway, but I made a point of upping the amount after that. <laughs> so I felt bad for that. So I go, let me try to make a positive spin out of here and show greater support for some of the organizations he was into. But yeah, he came on the show twice, and those are – I think are either some of our most downloaded episodes or the most downloaded episodes. They're definitely way up there yeah, and they were yeah. super informative. He didn't hold anything back. He didn't try to pitch a bunch of, I don't think he mentioned anything. He didn't try to pitch a book or a supplement or a workshop. Yeah. He came on and gave, gave great content the entire time. And that's exactly what you should do when you go on a podcast. What he does, go listen to any podcast he's been on. What he does is what you should do if you go on a podcast. Just give away great content. Let people see your personality. Let people see your demeanor. Because many people told me that they had heard that Paul Quinn was a dickhead. And then they listened right. to that episode. And they're like, he's not a dickhead. He's a cool guy. He's funny, too. He had a great sense of humor. He had us cracking up. Especially the, especially the second time he came on. I was like, I think, you know, he got really comfortable. And he's like, okay, these dudes are cool. They're not asking the same typical questions that everyone asks or whatever else. And they really don't care. <laughs> it's just like, you yeah. know, that's my, they don't, they don't sit there and try to like sit there and monitor anything that comes out of their mouth on that show, you know? So, and I think that makes it a very relaxed environment. Like I've always said with our guests, you know, cause they're not really used to that for the most part. Most podcasts, these people have these written out questions and they want to stick to the script and, you know, it's very laid back. And I think, like I said, we've always said from the very start that we want this show to be just like if you were just happen to be in a, a bar or whatever, you overheard a conversation between us and right. whoever we're talking to on the show. That's what it would be like. And yep. you can te- you can definitely tell the next time he came, you know, so I think instead of being the second time, it was actually the third time because we're going to talk about that scrap, <laughs> that that missing episode that's in the ether somewhere. You know, even then, it's just, he came back on that last time. He's like, man, he was laid back, having fun cracking jokes, you know, so it's kind of really hard for people to say, like, who thought that he was a dick or whatever else, like, after you hear that episode, like, mm, okay, <laughs> maybe not so much, because there was no fakeness whatsoever in this. Well, there I mean, was that, that was ever. over my, and I've had many people tell me over the years that they thought he was very abrasive and rude and so forth, and I, I'm, I'm not saying that they're lying, that may right. have well have been their experience, but my experience with him was always very positive. And that's what I would always say whenever people would tell me this stuff. I go, you know what? I've, I've, I actually haven't, I never met him in person. Actually, I've talked to him on the phone and we interacted by email, but it was always positive. He was never rude to me. He was never condescending to me. He was right. always very generous with his time. When he came on the podcast, he came on for a long time. He didn't just come on for 30 minutes and say, got to go now, guys. Right. Have fun. He came on, he came on for as long as we wanted him to be on. 
we ended the show right. after maybe two hours thinking, okay, we better cut it off now. This guy's busy. Right. But it wasn't because he was saying, I got to go now, guys. I'm busy. Let's wrap it up. Right. So he, he, and he's a guy that was super busy and made a lot of money. So for his, for his time is very valuable is where I'm going. Two hours of his time is worth a lot of money. People pay a lot of money for his <laughs> right. So for him to come on and give away great information for free, he could have done something more productive in that time if he wanted to. But he was that, that's how generous he was with his time. And once he found out that he was such a high downloaded guest, he wanted to amp up the numbers even more. He's like, okay, cool. Let me blast this out to my list again. I'll, I'll republish it on my Facebook page. That's just the way that guy thought. I always found him to be a very generous guy and right. a very very supportive person as well, not just to me, but to other people. I, I saw he had a lot of nice words for Christian Thibodeau. Christian told me a funny story once. I wanted him to bring this up on the show, but Christian took one of his courses. And during the, during the course type frame, there was one of the tasks that the students had to do was talk about the flaws in a particular training program. And the training program was one of Christian's. <laughs> so here's, here's Christian taking Poliquid's course and he has to break down what's wrong with the program that he wrote. <laughs> and I think that was just Charles' sense of humor coming through. Like he thought that would be funny given that Christian was taking the course. Right. <laughs> yeah, we also did the biosignature program, which was a really interesting program talking about how you store body fat based on your hormonal profile. So if you have a lot of stomach fat, you have high cortisol. If you have a lot of lower body fat, legs, glutes, it's high estrogen. A lot of pectoral fat is too much conversion of testosterone to estrogen. High fat behind your knees, which I don't know if I've ever seen that before. I don't look behind my knees. <laughs> Damn, my guy's got some fat behind his knees there. But that that's a sign of low GH. Now, I'm not saying that this is a perfectly accurate system to analyze hormones, hormone optimization, hormonal profile, but it was definitely good things to consider because right. you do store fat based on your hormonal profile. So for people that couldn't afford to go get a blood test or even go to a biosignature practitioner, you could start off with the mirror test and just look at where am I storing body fat? Okay, right. I'm storing a lot of stomach fat. So my stress levels are way too high. So let me do things to eradicate stress, manage stress so that when I lose body fat, I'm losing it from these areas. Yeah. So we had really interesting information on that. Whether you agree with it or not, it was fascinating stuff. And there was always something you could take from it. So he's gonna, it's a big loss is where I'm going. There was no one like him. There won't be anyone like him. He was a very unique individual in a very generic industry. And he had the courage to carve paths that were unique and that resulted in a lot of criticism because people were ignorant. And then years down the line, you would see other people doing the same thing because it would actually it actually have been determined to be factual or beneficial. So now other people jumped on the bandwagon. And so he wasn't afraid to carve that path and get the criticism. Exactly. He wasn't afraid to be first, you know, yeah, and, and exactly. in this industry, that's rare. That's rare. And I think with his, with, with his heart issues, it was well known that he had open heart surgery when he was much younger. He, he inherited a genetic issue with heart problems. There were a lot of heart problems in his family. I think his, I think either his parents or they died at a young age as well. And it was related to heart issues. Right. So it just goes to show that a lot of people, do, I mean, we we hear about the importance of heart health and cardiovascular disease and so forth, but it just goes in one ear out the other, right? Because people are thinking, ah, that, that's a problem for down the line. I'm not going to worry about that right now. It's like, yeah, right. I've got a high blood pressure right now, but I'm young, so I can handle it. And the reality is, is that you want to address these things before they become a big problem. 
Now, I'm not saying that Charles thing. didn't. Yeah, I'm not saying Charles didn't. You know, he may have died way sooner than 57 if it wasn't for a lot of the things he did. Right. Could there, are there other things he could have done? I don't know, and it's not for me to say that. Yeah, that's. But what we can learn from this is that let's not take our health for granted. Let's do things. Let's find out what's going on with us. Let's check our blood pressure. Let's get blood p- profiles done. Let's look at our mental health as well. Let's take charge of these things now rather than wait for them to spiral into a big problem. If you're dealing with anxiety right now, let's address it now until rather than wait until it becomes debilitating and extremely hard to deal with. Yeah. If you folks want to go back and listen to those episodes that we did with Charles, I believe, let me make, make sure. Yeah. So it's episode number 43 and episode number 154. 154. Yeah. That last episode that we had with him is like, um, it's kind of like the era of Ronda Rousey was coming to an end. Yeah. We talked about that was right after Holly Holm yeah. and beat her. Yeah. So that's in and then we talking about marijuana and animalism too. So some quite, it was some interesting things discussed in that episode. <laughs> You know, why cortisol is your friend? And we're talking about the Paris attacks. So it goes to tell you kind of the time period of when that um, that episode happened. You know, yeah, so, so suffice yeah. to say, both and I had much different views on marijuana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's another area where we weren't quite on the same page. You know? <laughs> He's like, yeah, I take theanine and whatever else, 5-HTP to relax. I was like, nah, I'll stick to THC. <laughs> you're gonna have the B and E and all that. You know? <laughs> oh man! Yeah, there was one thing. There was one other thing I wanted to say about either that episode or Charles in general. It just slipped my mind. Like right now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it just slipped my mind. You're tired. <laughs> It'll probably, yeah, it slipped. It slipped my mind literally right now. <laughs> now all the all the anti we people are like, see, see, Charles is right. See, look. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it'll, maybe it'll come back as we move on to other stuff. But anyway, check out Destiny Wrestling. Oh, you really didn't yeah. remember? Okay, I was like messing with you. Okay. No, I don't think it was anything that important. I, I hit all the high points that I wanted to get into. I think it, I think it was something that came up in that episode that that was amusing. But you, you already told people to go listen to the episode, so they'll hear it. They don't have to, they, don't, they don't need to hear a preview from me. But check out Destiny Rescue. That's a really cool organization. I actually asked Ty Ritter if he's heard of them, and he said he has, but he hasn't. He doesn't know too much about them. So I think it would be interesting to help those two work together because they're both yeah. pretty much doing the same thing. Destiny Rescue is based in Asia, though, so they tend to focus on what's going on out there, from my understanding. But I'll definitely well, reach I out see, to them. I pulled them up on, on Twitter. I mean, I see that they have, like, other bases like New Zealand, Australia, and U.S. Oh, okay. Um, so okay. So it looks like they're yeah, it looks like they're expanding as far as bases, I guess. But that's <clears> very organization to tie, meaning that it's former operators who do what's necessary to rescue these right. kids, just like I and his team do. So it's it would be interesting if they could work together in some capacity or we, we get Destiny Rescue on some representative from that organization, learn more about what they're doing. Right. But one way to honor Charles is to go make a donation at that GoFundMe page. It's on my Facebook page. If you just type in Destiny Rescue Charles Poliquin, I'm sure it'll come up as well. And quite a few people have. And that, that's how we honor people that have passed, because it's, it's always strange when when someone dies 
and we're sad for a little while. And then life just goes on. You just go right back to whatever else you were doing. Right. That's always strange to me. And I, I go through that with my mother. My mother passed away three years ago, but I mean, I think about her every day. I think about her all the time. And it's always strange to me that she's not around anymore. So it's, it's like that with, I mean, obviously I wasn't as close to Charles as my own mother, but it's, I think about that as well. I go, man, he's not, he's not around anymore to enjoy this going on or this is happening. He would have been into that. Yeah, that's what kind of throws me off when I still see the post. Like, you know, I still see, you know, you know, his team still posting for his account, yeah. you know, like yeah. on, on Instagram. And it kind of throws me off because I'm like, you know, when you read like, oh, that's some good information. Like, oh, shit, he's not here. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's his team posting that now. It's just like, it, it's still surreal, man, to see that. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we actually had him. We actually discussed, I, or rather I discussed with him getting on for a third time and he was down for that. We were just working out a time. Right. And unfortunately, that didn't happen. But I'm just glad we got him in the two times we did because yeah. those were those are great episodes, and it was it was always very informative to listen to him. And even if he didn't agree with everything he had to say, it made you think about stuff. Go, exactly. okay, huh? Let me think. Of, let me think about that. And that's a very valuable thing too. Anytime someone provokes thought, that's useful. You don't have to agree with everybody to respect them. You can go, okay, let me think about what he's saying here. Let me think about the merits of that. Let me think about what I can take from that to improve whatever I'm doing, even if it's a differing philosophy. Exactly, man. So, yeah, definitely, this industry will definitely miss miss a guy like him, man. You know, you kind of you you need folks like him in this industry, especially just so much quackery that goes on in this industry, and it's not getting any better. It's not getting any better. No. Man, Everybody, when, also, you, I mean, when basically when everything with something like fitness, which we all know, if we're really truthful, there's nothing really new under the sun. Well, that being said, when everybody's trying to buy for that space and to actually make a career out of that space, you know, it's going to be highly competitive for a very with very little resources for the most part, other than the main resource, which is yourself. But most people right. don't have that confidence in their own abilities to stand out without doing something stupid. You know, and they stand out for all the wrong reasons. You know, like, you know, hey, well, I'm fit. I'm really into this. I've gone to school. I got my master's in this, blah, blah. And I have clients with results. But instead of posting those clients with all the results and their testimony, let me post a picture of my ass. <laughs> you know, <laughs> because that's why they, because they feel like that's what they have to do to get people's attention. Okay. Yeah. You got their attention, but did you get their business? You know, or did you actually, did you just lose a potential client, you know, by doing that? Because you're so focused on that 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 short term game right there, so or well, like some people are afraid to speak their minds too. You know, like on on, on Instagram. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was about to say, or you got people who are afraid to take a stand on anything because they're afraid they're going to offend people and lose people. But I'm like, yeah, right. but you also, why do I feel great about the fact you probably gain some people too who want their rawness, their realness, and the, the ability to make them have to think about you know what they're doing with their health and being authentic because there's there's such a need for authenticity right now. So most of the people who are going to sit there and say that when someone's being authentic or whatever, just being raw like that, and since they're being dicks or they're rude or whatever else, it's like I always say, man, look, the truth always hurts the person that's living a lie. <laughs> you know, that's, it's really just that simple. You know, like, yeah. I have no problem with the truth. But my thing is don't just, you know, especially if you if you can back it up, if you can back it up. You know, just because you feel it and believe it, 
that's not enough for me, man. That's not enough. And some people, that makes them, especially on a day like today, I know by the time this episode comes out, this whole election day thing will be over. But today is a day of good feelings and not enough of truth, you know, or anything like that, or of right. checking facts, you know. So, yeah. but, but, you, but no matter what, no matter when you hear this episode, every day you vote because every day you spend money for the most part, and that's how you vote. Or, you know, or, you know, you, you choose to spend your time doing whatever it is. That's voting, wherever you tend to lend your time. And so wherever you focus on, that's a vote right there. So, you know, like I said, people need that authenticity, man, because time is precious. Time is money. And, you know, we really obviously just for what we're talking about, we don't have time to waste. So I actually want to spend my time, you know, with the most authentic things out there and, or, check, you know, following or getting information from the most authentic people. Because right. I don't want to sit there and be believing in a bunch of BS. And now, once I realize it's BS, I got to sit there and spend my time trying to sift through the BS to actually find the truth. Like, I don't have that kind of time like that, man. I want to get right to it. So, like I said, in this industry, you, you know, you're going to miss folks like Charles Poliquin because this is a lot. There's a lot of, <laughs> it's a lot of BS going on in this industry. And for those who don't know any better or who are not well versed in health and fitness, a lot of people are going to end up wasting a lot of their precious time with some of the stuff out there because some of these people are great performers out there. Some of these people put on such a good show that you believe them because they're so good at being actors and acting like whatever it is that they're, whatever information they're putting out there, either that it works or that it's theirs, <laughs> which a lot of times, a lot of times it's BS on both ends. It's not good information, but it's just, it's very entertaining. Or it's not their information, and they're just they're taking someone else's info they put into work, like someone like Charles, and they're regurgitating it and acting as if it's theirs. So it's, that's yeah. the one thing about. Don't let that discourage you from still taking control of your health, because you know who knows what you truly need more than anyone else is usually yourself. You just have to be honest with yourself, be authentic with yourself. <clears throat> you know when something's not really working. <laughs> it's just like, come on, man. Yeah, one thing Charles encouraged that I also encourage is go to the sources. In other words, don't just regurgitate what he's saying. He would he would learn from other experts and then recommend that you go to those experts too. Because right. his interpretation of what those experts are saying is his interpretation. Yours may right. be different. Right. So that's the important thing as well. A lot of times we look at people's interpretations of a study, and that interpretation may be accurate, but it also may be inaccurate because you can analyze things differently. So it's always good to go look at what they looked at and see if you come to the same conclusions. Yeah, it might be inaccurate for them at that time, but very inaccurate for what you know what's going on in your life right now. You know, it may right. not even pertain to you. It sounds good, and on a surface level, it's probably good information, but not good information for you right now. You know, even if someone suggests a certain supplement like, hey, this really benefits people who have this situation and this is the results they got and it's done wonders for them. And you just automatically buy like, oh, I'm, I'm going to get that without even thinking about your situation. It's like, yeah, but right. those people in that study or those athletes, that's what they, you're not the same as them. You know, so you got to see what's really what it is that you, you need first. So you got to put in the work. And I think that's where or, or a lot of get in trouble. Study involves, involves people that have never worked out at all, and they go, oh, look at the progress they made. I go, yeah, of course right. they made a lot of progress. They've never worked out. <laughs> you know? right. They supplement and they made these gains. Well, they may have made those gains anyway because they've never worked out before. So that's different than someone who's been training for 10 years, 15 years, it's et cetera. Like 20, 30 years, 40 years. Like, well, you know, what about them? <laughs> so. 
It's like when people ask that question, what are your recommendations for someone who's over 40? I go, well, there's no general recommendation because a lot of 40 is a, is a lot different from one person to another. You know, me at 45 is a lot different than a lot of people I see when I walk the dogs who are 45 and look like they could be my father, you know, or. (laughs) (laughs) And and, you know, basing something off, you know, this is what's good for 40. Look at the time that came out, too, because what 40 looked like back in 1995 is not the same 40, you know, of 2018. Right. You know, you know, life is way different now. (laughs) You know, so you're like, so you got to really. You got to dig a little deeper than that. It can't really be that general. Just yeah, these, these magic numbers. Generations yeah. ago, at forty, they may have been so beaten down because they did physical labor for twenty years, right? Versus someone who has worked on a computer for twenty years, who has the body is beaten down just from from a sedentary lifestyle, but not beaten down the same way as in you know, right. joint pain and so forth from physical labor. It's just from sedentary lifestyle. So it's a different situation. Some one person at 40, maybe they've only worked out for a couple of years versus someone who's worked out since they were 20. So they're strong in their 40s, but their body has a lot of wear and tear from so many years right. exercise. So it's going to be a different recommendation for these two people. So it's not one person over 40 may have great testosterone levels. Another may have really low testosterone levels. So you can, it's going to be two different recommendations in terms of how you should train. So personalization is always really important. Uh, Charles actually brought up personalization a lot as well. I remember the, when I first interviewed him, he said the future would be multivitamins that are tailored for your needs, meaning that you would go get a, a, a blood test, such as now what's called SpectraCell offers this, where they look at all the vitamins and minerals in your body on the cellular level, as well as amino acids. So then you figure out exactly what you need to supplement and what you probably don't. And then they actually make a multivitamin based on the results. Right. He talked about that way before this started becoming into the general discussions that were out there. So, yeah, man. But I think uh, going back to just pivoting here, where we're going to talk about just some business development mistakes people make. And just in the kind since we're on a podcast and we're talking about podcasting, one of the mistakes I think people make when they go on a podcast is, they feel, okay, I've got a platform, so I need to pitch everything I've got while I have just 30, 40 minutes. They're talking about their products left and right. They're talking about courses coming up. Talking, whatever it is they have going on. Right. The problem is, is no one's really getting – I think what people want to hear on a podcast is an interesting conversation, and they, they want to get to know the people that are talking. And if you're just pitching the whole time, no one is getting to know you. They're not going to go look at what you have to say because you're pitching too much. They just shut right off. So go on there with the intent of having an interesting conversation. Let people see your personality. You don't even need to talk about what you do. Just let that come up organically if it does at all. People are going to want to know more. They're going to go, hey, I like this person. I mean, look into what they're doing. Right. It's more positioning versus prospecting. It's the yeah, difference exactly. between a guy who just walks up to every girl who walks by. I remember I was on the strip one time. I was playing cards, right? And I took a break. So I went to the bar just to have a drink, decompress a little bit. And there was this this Indian British guy sitting next to me, and every girl that was walking by, they're like, "Hey, baby, how you doing? Oh, you look great, honey." Right? He was just, just stupid comments like that. And then he, right. I, I just looked at him with this look, like, "What the hell are you doing?" Like, I didn't even see that, but I just gave him that look. So he's like, "Hey, man, it's a numbers game." I was like, "Well, <laughs> you're gonna be playing the numbers all night, buddy, because this strategy right. is it completely it is about as far away from positioning as you can get." Right. 
Couldn't well, be any know, more. They're hearing this. They're listening to all these dating advice blogs and podcasts, and that's what they're saying. It's like, oh, you know what? You just you got build. Yeah, you got to build like a muscle. So you got to just get out there and just start talking to talking to all of them, and then eventually one. You know, it's, it's almost like sales. It's almost like you know, like you said about the prospect and things. Like, and a lot of these network marketers do. You keep pitching, 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 pitching until you keep going for no until finally you get a yes. I'm like, it's a little bit more to it than that. Like you said, you gotta, you got, you got to pick your shot. I mean, you got to shoot your shot, but you got to pick your spot to do it too. Yeah, you know, I always hear people talking about, hey man, shoot your shot. I'm like, let's put yourself in a real basketball game, okay? Okay. So just because you got the ball in your hand doesn't necessarily mean you need to shoot the ball. You know, shoot it right then and there. You've got right. to put, put yourself in a position where, according to your skill level, you know, you have a higher probability of actually sinking that basket. So my thing is. These guys have no skills whatsoever with like the opposite sex or, or dating or whatever else. It's like you got to put yourself in a position where it can just come up and work in your favor. You know, so not being like that guy who's just like, OK, I'm a dude. I'm straight. I like women. There is a woman. Hey, I'm just going to say something to her. She hopefully she'll say something back to me and then we'll date. It's, no, a little bit more, dude. Give her a little more credit than that. And I'm if it's that easy, if it's that easy, you should be worried. You know, if it's oh, like. Hey, baby, well, how you doing? Oh, how you doing? Like, oh, she wants something. <laughs> yeah, the only lady who's going to stop is someone who is a lady of the evening, <laughs> yeah, exactly. looking to make some That so conversation is going to cost you, buddy. <laughs> Mike Epps has a funny joke about it. He's like, man, you know, whenever I come out to Vegas, he's like, I don't know who's a hooker and who isn't. He said, I said hello to a lady the other day, and she said $500. <laughs> Your bucks for what he's like. Oh, wait a minute! You know, you're selling, you're selling your stash. Come back, come back. You know. <laughs> so that's the only person that's going to stop for this this guy. And I hear stupid stuff. I mean, guys saying dumb stuff to women is ubiquitous. I'm not saying it's just isolated to Las Vegas, but you hear it a lot out here, especially if you're down on the strip and people have had a few drinks. I was on the elevator one time at the Hard Rock, and this lady gets on, nice looking lady. And the guy in the the guy closest to the button looks at her and he goes, Going down? <laughs> oh, and he God. thought it was so cool. So she just rolled her eyes and I'm Daddy. just I'm I'm embarrassed for him. I'm like, Oh my <laughs> God, I can't believe this guy's so stupid. He thinks he's being funny, he thinks he's being clever. I was like, You're not being funny, you're not being clever, and I don't know what your intent was here, but why would why would she find any of this interesting? She she should have said, Yeah, just like your IQ level, fool. <laughs> <laughs> So my attitude is the same strategy for talking to the opposite sex or the same sex, whatever it is. Be a cool person. Be a exactly. cool person. Nice conversation. Be a cool guy. Don't be so desperate. Like, be, Don't have be to cool. be, be attentive. And, and as as with anybody, make it about them. <laughs> no, like that's another thing. It's like and make it stand out. Not just like, oh, you should look good tonight. Oh yeah, yeah. what looks good about me? <laughs> so if I if I were a woman. That's probably that would be me. Just to be, if I just felt like entertaining an asshole like that, like really, what what looks good? Why? <laughs> like oh, your shoes? Why? What do you know about shoes? What do you know about women's shoes? And if he's very thorough, one or two things are happening. Either he's a crossdresser or he works in a shoe store. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that could really spark a conversation. <laughs> or maybe I mean, the, the same fun. strategy is what you should do if you go on someone else's podcast or you're being interviewed. Is just Deliver some great content. Be a cool guy, cool lady, whatever it is. Deliver some great content. And when I went on Rich Roll's podcast, I didn't go in there thinking, okay, cool. This guy's got a huge audience, man. I'm going to talk about every product I have. And I'm just right. going to keep bringing it up. I went on there and said, I'm going to give him some great content. 
for his audience. So he has a nice episode that he can't wait to send out to his people, which is what he said he had after we did it. He was like, man, that was a great episode. And we talked for like two and a half hours. I also forget about trying to sell my supplements. I thought it was a great platform for talking about Project Child Save, which I did for about 15, 20 minutes. And it came up organically because I wanted to bring it up, but I didn't want it to just be contrived. And we started talking about depression and stuff like that and so forth. And it was a nice segue for me to drop into that. So anyway, I won't reiterate what I said there. You can go check out that episode. But bottom line is it was it was great. It was just focused on great content and then just being myself so people see my personality. So the way I acted on that episode, if you met me in person, you wouldn't you wouldn't perceive a difference. Be like, wow, that's that's right. who he is. And see that right there, there's the key right there. You know, just go be you. Don't put on this performance. You know, don't don't try to be this. You know, don't be be like a certain. We we know a person in the industry online. Their online persona. You swear this person was like the top fitness expert in every category, whether it be kettlebells, whether it be running a gym. You know, whether it be diets, whichever diet of the week that that person was into. You know, but then you meet them in person, and they'll, and they're quick to. Be able to they they always want to call out other people's stuff, you know, whether it's their coaching or their gym or whatever else when, you know, when it's nothing like theirs. But then you meet them in person. They're like, hey, man, what's going on? They're like this quiet, meek little dude. They're not this larger than a life persona they have online. They're this person like, I'm not really trying to talk to anybody. <laughs> He's like, uh, you know, all of a sudden there's, there's this super introvert that's going on and like, wait a minute. But you swore you know, when you look at them online, you think, okay, this person like they're about six foot six, two thirty five, ex UFC champion. You know, who's like got two percent body fat. <laughs> he's living out in the wild. You know, he's got all these adventures going on. They should have a, they should do a TV show about this guy. And then you meet him, it's like, man, this looks like this looks like John from the Office. <laughs> you know, who works in accounting. <laughs> oh, you don't want to be that dude, man, because people will find you out. And the word to get out there and you'll be ruined and you'll you'll become a pariah really quickly. And no one will want you on their show. No one will want to work with you. No one wants your product. It doesn't take long for bad news travels fast, people. Just remember that. And when you become bad news, everyone will know about you. <laughs> so and then you end up being those people that reach out and email email podcasts like, hey, here's you know, uh I would love to come on your show. You know, I can you know, I got this going on, blah blah, and you're pitching via email. And honestly, a lot of times that's kind of not a great thing because you would hope that people have heard of you or whatever. And the fact that you have to go through all that, even to the point, that means at that point, no one's really talking about you because look, man, it's the fitness industry. Nine times out of 10, if you're one of the top people doing your thing, we've heard of you. You know, yeah. you know even yeah. in, yeah, in exactly. even as far as Mike is concerned, if you're one of the top people when it comes to hormone optimization, he's probably heard of you. Okay. You know, mine is personal defense. If you're one of the top people in personal defense, I've probably heard of you somewhere, somehow, even if it is something regional, whatever else. Trust me, people talk. People talk. So you shouldn't have to come down to that. No, do you and be you. You know, don't try to be what you think people need to hear or what you think that, you know, that's what they want. Yeah, I think a lot of the things that people try to hide about themselves, it would be more beneficial if you actually opened up about some of those things because it makes you a lot more relatable. A lot of people deal with anxiety. I've gone through periods of pretty serious anxiety, depression, and so forth. And I've 
I've had, I have effective strategies to manage those and deal with them effectively. But a lot of other people can relate to that. And, but they don't want to talk about it until they hear someone else talk about it. They're like, exactly. oh, shit, I'm not, you think all of their friends are, are on clap. They're like, oh, my, oh, my friends are so confident. Their lives are so good. No, they're just putting on a facade. Just like right. people go on, people go on Instagram. They think everyone's life's a party. Here's me at the beach. Now here's me on a boat. Here's the deal, yeah. man. Instagram, as social media is everybody's greatest hits. Okay. <laughs> okay. Nobody wants to hear the album. Nobody wants to hear like, you know, the straight up album copy or something like that. Nobody wants to hear like that one album cut, as they call it back in the day, that one obscure song, you know, or that demo that was unreleased. It's unreleased for a reason. Okay. Yeah. I see someone put up a picture of like, oh, here's me getting evicted. Now here's my house going into foreclosure. <laughs> here's here's getting, a picture of my I'm, wife cheating on me. Yes. Yes. Security is escorting me out after I cleared my desk. You know, I've seen some of those photos. <laughs> yes, that is a tow truck taking away my car. That is a repossession in action, people. <laughs> Here's me getting over by the police because I was on Instagram while I was driving. <laughs> oh, man. So I think when you can, and I'm about to say that, you need to do this all the time, but when you just you're just honest about stuff, such as hey, I got into weight training because I was insecure about how I looked, and I got into this because I was insecure about that. That that helps a lot of people because a lot of people who you think are the most confident people around, deep inside they feel that way too, and they they right. overcompensate by just trying to put on this act of hey, I'm the most confident person around. And it's helpful for other people who are going through similar things. And a lot of people are going through it. I was watching this, this 60 minutes Australia episode, right? It's their version of 60 minutes on YouTube. And they were talking about anxiety and they were talking about how one in three women suffer from anxiety out there, serious anxiety and one in five men. And that's a huge number. Right. That probably, means if you put five dudes in a room, one of them is suffering from anxiety. You're looking at them and one of them is getting anxiety just because you're looking at them. just think about that man and i i I know how debilitating anxiety can be it can be extremely debilitating where you don't want to leave the house you don't want to have contact with people a lot of the things that you enjoy away from panic attacks okay yeah not fun not fun at all (laughs) and it comes from that same thing but a lot of people want to put on this act of I've got everything together, so aspire to be like me. And those people you're trying to aspire to, they don't even have it. That's just an illusion. They, the more people that praise them, the more they believe it themselves. It's like, oh, man, 50 people told me I'm strong as fuck, so I, I guess I am. 50 people told me I'm a badass, so I guess I am. You know, every day they're looking for validation, so they go on social media and they post certain things. My attitude is just authentic. My attitude is it's much more liberating when – you put out the things that you're dealing with. I'm not talking about necessarily your personal life. You're going through a divorce. You don't have to put together a 500. I'm not please saying put together a please don't. essay personal stuff. <laughs> yeah. Keep that stuff don't put out, a, put out an essay post on your breakup with, with you know, <laughs> the person you thought you were going to marry. Please don't do that, <laughs> especially in small communities like the fitness community. <laughs> like, Don't do that. It, it does not make you look strong. It's people are like, oh, my God, you're so strong. No. Deal with that. Deal with that. You and that person, go work that out. So social media is not the place to come, really. I said, these people, they really don't care, and they really want to see you fall. Okay. Right. 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 Exactly. There's there's a perverse part of people that likes seeing successful people crash and burn. Yeah. Because it makes them feel better about never having the 
courage to pursue their passions. They the go, irony. Oh, yeah, but this person, ha ha, it's great. But the irony, these are the same people that will put these celebrities or these people who are very successful on a pedestal and worship them. Right. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I said, this is such a, to me, you know, when I think about it, it's such a Jesus complex. It's like, oh, you like the message that he's given, but hey, crucify him. <laughs> it's like, how dare you? <laughs> like, wait, wait, what, huh? What just happened here? <laughs> so, so, well, I guess this has been going on since the beginning of time, at least for 6,000 years. <laughs> so it shouldn't, it's nothing new under the sun, like I say. <clears throat> but again, I think for that moment, it makes these people feel really good about themselves. Like, well, you know, my life's not that great, so it's not just me. So, yeah, you need to feel this pain that I'm feeling. Well, they're not going to feel the pain you're feeling because they're not going through what you're going through. It may have the same title, you know, or identify as the same, but they're not exact. It's not the exact same thing. Everybody's individual here. So and the individual is going to be different because how they take on whatever that misstep is in life or whatever else is going to be different from yours. So, you know, wishing their downfall is not going to make yours in your situation any better. I'll just keep that in mind. You know, right. like, oh, you still have your issues, buddy, even though you're hating here, you know, and you're sitting there like, you know, like putting LOLs or whatever else on someone's post <laughs> or sharing it privately with people or whatever and like cracking jokes on these people. Your life still sucks, too. So how about focus on that? That's what you do. Well, I just I think the honesty and the authenticity is, authenticity is useful for a lot of reasons because otherwise people have these illusions that get keep getting passed down. And what I mean is, once you start making good money, you have a house, you have a nice relationship. Now all of your other problems are gone. That anxiety is gone. Your depression is gone. Say like, no, yeah. because depression is not based on circumstances. I'm talking. No. We're, we're talking. That's sadness. Sadness and depression are two different things. So you could have everything going right in your life in terms of what the public perceives as everything going right, yet you still feel off. You still have this depressed feeling. And then that can be really demoralizing for people because they're thinking, man, I thought when I got to this point, I thought when I got my physique to this point and my strength to this point and my money to this point and I had this relationship that everything would be good and I could just ride that out into the sunset. And I still feel the same way I did before I had all those things. And the reality is that it's not based on circumstances, and it's not it's not the things, man. It's not the stuff, it, you know. You're, you're not, you're still not addressing. It's kind of like people who died, and, you know, died and died and died. You know, they can go get surgeries or whatever else. But I'm like, you're still not addressing the real issue. You're addressing right. the after effects. You, you know, the symptoms of that issue. That's what you're addressing, right there. You, somebody, you can go get all the, you know, the the different stomach surgeries or whatever else, but you you need brain surgery. Okay, you need to address what's going on in the brain. You know, that's where yeah. the real issues are happening right there. They're, you need to do some shadow work, man, and address some things that you're trying to avoid. You know, it's, it's some, <clears throat> you know, what you're saying right there reminds me of this episode. There's a, this new show on, um, ABC called A Million Little Things. You know, basically it's kind of based around this, you know, around depression. One of the characters, you know, he was just bringing up, he's like, man, <clears throat> when he finally came to terms that he is depressed and also that he has a history of it in his family that just doesn't talk about it. And, you know, even he asked his dad about it. He's like, do you ever have like, you know, you ever like feel sad, but just you can't get out of that funk. He goes, huh? We've all had sad days. We just don't talk about it. We just deal right. with it. And I'm like, that's one of the worst things you could ever say, <laughs> you know, right. to someone. you know, we just deal with it. Well, that's just like me saying like, OK, right now there's going to be an army of like 500 Russians, you know, coming to your apartment complex to storm through it or whatever else. Look, man, war goes on in the world. You just got to find a way to deal with it. 
I don't know how I'm going to deal with 500 Russians coming in my apartment, man, armed and ready <laughs> to, to storm it and do a Red Dawn situation, you know, <laughs> and get out of that thing successfully. I don't. I, how do I deal with that? Like, I'm not equipped to deal with that, man. How do I deal with it? So, and, and the, the character, the son, you know, when he finally his wife finds out about, you know, that he's been dealing with depression, that he almost committed suicide, but it took a phone call from one of his his buddies to say that. You know, their friend had committed suicide. That's made him spit out the pills that he was about to swallow. You know, it's it was like divine intervention, as they would call it, you know, at that moment, because he was getting ready to do the same thing. But then he realized, like, I got to be there for my friends now. You know, and now he, it made him really come to terms with it. But he was saying to himself that he had everything going for him. He's like, I don't understand why I feel like this. He's like, man, I'm successful. You know, I, I have, like, million dollar commercials i you know my you know my job is great i got a beautiful wife he has she has her own business our relationship is great everything in my life is perfect why do i have these dark days that won't go away why do i feel like i can't get up sometimes and i just want to stay in bed for days upon days why do i just cry out of nowhere you know little things like that man well not little things but you know again it's just again you can have all that stuff going for you Depression does not give a damn. <laughs> you give zero Fs, man. It's like there's there's things way beyond. Again, that's it's, that's just stuff. That's the stuff, and that stuff that goes show you really stuff. Stuff can't make you happy. Stuff is a byproduct of your happiness. Okay, when you're feeling great, and you're feeling good, man. Then you know you you get that stuff because hey, I, I like this, but it doesn't define me. It's not who I am. If you lose it all, when you're calibrated right, man, you can lose that stuff and you're still like, huh? Eh, look, man, I'm good. I was good before it and I'm good after it. You know, I enjoyed it while I had it and you keep moving. That's why you see some of these people, they can lose it all and they're still smiling. You can go to these other countries and you see people who have never had an, 1% of all the things that we have here. Even the poorest people in the U.S. have things that the people the poorest people in a, another country you know <laughs> would even they would just dream about having or have no idea about these people yeah. are still smiling whereas you know they can be here in the west you can be in the poorest of the poor and just like you know i can't even you know i like i i've only eaten one time today i only got one meal today and they're sad about that and it's not to diminish somebody that's going through that but then you go to another place and there's somebody they eat once a day and they have to walk 10 miles just to get some dirty water to go with that food and they're still right. smiling and you're like yep. whoa what is that man you know the, those are people you you want to stop and talk like if you can what 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 is it what is it man so it goes to show you it's not the stuff it is not i have spoken to those people in many different countries and one thing that is very abundantly clear is that they have a very strong sense community. of community community and that Something Johan Hari talked about when he came on the show, and we talked about depression. Yeah. He, he's the author of best book I've ever read on depression, and I've read many. So we did that episode earlier this year. But one of the components he spoke about that is so important for mitigating depression is a strong sense of community, not being alone with stuff. And right. online community is not the same thing. Twitter no. community not the same thing. We're talking real world carbon community based community. <laughs> no real world community. That the, the, two, the two minute exchange you have with someone at the grocery store is more valuable than going back oh, and 20 forth. Twenty minute exchange flaming back and forth on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Talking to the grocery clerk about a concert you just went to and then commiserating on something that's going on. Maybe that's a ninety second exchange if even that. That's right. more impactful. Than having this online exchange, 
with someone that you've never met in person, never spoken to on the phone. That's how much more impact. That's how important community is. Find that, you know, find those like-minded individuals and, and, and go, go meet them, man. Not just, you know, connect with people, you know, hell, even if you're just out and about, man, you know, Hey man, smile at somebody, you know, if they seem like they're having a bad day, like, Oh, like, how are you? You know, but mean it, don't just make it a rhetorical question. Like, Hey, how are you? Oh, I'm good. Oh, that's good. And you know, actually don't make it seem fake. You know, yeah, I'm not saying that, you know, you want to sit there and get the whole rundown of their day. Maybe you do because you never know, you know, but, or find some, go to a place where you have a common interest. Like, you know, one of my favorite places to be is the bookstore, dude. <laughs> and you're, you're already in a place where people are already thinking for the most part. You know, they're not, they're off somewhere else because one thing I like about Barnes and Noble, they have no outlets there. So the people that are on their computers, they're there. They're usually there working with other people, studying and doing whatever else. There's this one guy, he comes in, and then he comes in, he plays like chess. <laughs> you know, and sometimes he plays with someone there, or he's <clears throat> playing with someone online. But he actually, instead of just playing an actual app of chess, he brings out his own board or whatever else. And I guess the person that he's on with, you know, make, you know, they're making the moves together like that. So that's one way of being virtual, but still, time, you know, being in real time and dealing right. with the real world. That's it. But everyone else, they're reading books, they're having experiences, they're having conversations, they're talking about things. And that's like, man, I really hope that Barnes and Noble continues to, you know, at least give good customer service so they don't go the way of borders. Cause to me, that's what shut borders down really was just crappy yeah. customer service and oh, the way yeah. they handle things. They can still be here and still have an online presence like Barnes and Noble is doing. You know, that's the right. one thing that's lacking with Amazon. Yeah, you can get books for a lot cheaper, but again, when you get these books, you're kind of by yourself, <laughs> you know, and I mean, the best you can do is have a book club or something like that. But other than that, man, you know, that's to me, that's like a good gathering place. And like you said, like the dog park, you got this common, this common interest right here. These are not soulless people because they're at a dog park. So <laughs> these are somewhat, they're off to a good track of being good human beings because they're there with their animals. They're there with their, you, yeah. you know, with their dogs. Yeah. So there's some compassion there. You know, a person that hates fucking dogs are not going to be at a dog park. Okay. Right. If, right. if people are like, yeah, I can't stand dogs. That's not the place they're going to go. You know, they're no, gonna drive. That's that's a hundred percent. And just just recently, speaking of the dog park, there's a couple guys I know that we always have great conversations whenever we run into each other. So just two weeks ago, I say, hey, why don't why don't the four of us go out for dinner sometime? We've known each other for years. We've never hung out. Let's go grab a meal at the Thai restaurant on Thursday. And they're like, yeah, great, right. let's do it. So we did, and now we're now that's going to become a regular thing. But I realized that sometimes you have to be the person to spearhead that. If I didn't bring right. that up, we probably never would have. And now right. that we did it. We enjoyed it. We're like, let's do it again. But right. what I realized in that is someone needs to spearhead the next time, too, because otherwise it'll Hell never yeah. happen. You don't want to be the, yeah, exactly. The organizer's like, okay, let's do it this Thursday at this place at this time. Let's do it. Are you guys good? Right. Okay, cool. Let's do it. Yeah. So that's kind of like what's happened, like, with, you know, my boys and me, we, you know, we smoke our cigars once a month. Pretty much. One person's not in charge of always coordinating the date and the time and the place. <laughs> you know, you know, a lot of times it's going to be, it's going to be inspired by life's events. Sometimes, you know, like, oh man, like, you know, one of our guys, he drives a cement truck or whatever. And sometimes he just needs to decompress because he's worked like a 90 hour week. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, Hey man, you guys down to meet up for a cigar cipher on this day, blah, blah. And we're like, Oh, where's, you know, thing is I pretty much put my life in a situation where my time is free. I can, I can take a break and go do that. And 
all of our businesses, they're going to still continue to run. I don't have to be present for that. So I'm pretty much down for whatever, and, you know, unless I already have plans like, you know, with my wife or some other plans or whatever. But other than that, I'm like, I'm cool. You know, a couple of other boys, they have their families or whatever. So they got to coordinate a little bit. They got to be a little bit more strategic because they have kids and things like that. But it usually always works out. And so, it's, again, it's not the one person always being the coordinator because you right. know, that's not a fun job either. You know, because especially when people can't do things, it can be frustrating. You know, you know what? Forget it. Especially if you're a person that's good with being alone with yourself. <laughs> you know, you can just be like, yeah, all right, cool. Well, you know, I'm done trying to put all this stuff together. I can just go do it by myself anyway. And you, right. you don't necessarily get into that trap because it's really easy, especially for people who are a little bit more introverted or people who are used to working solo. It becomes very easy. But even for people that are used to working solo, you, it helps to get out there and connect with other people. And so it's one of the reasons why I know you always say that, you know, yeah, you've got fitness, you got all the fitness equipment you really need at your house, but you still have a membership and like this gym right around the corner or whatever. So yep. you can just, it gives you an excuse to get out of the house for one thing. You know, it's yep. not like you kind of go to the gym and socialize with people or whatever, else, but you get to be around human beings, you know, for the most part. That too, because I'm friends with the trainers there. So usually when I walk in and they're there, I'll talk to them for about 10 minutes or so. Then I get on with my workout. And then sometimes right. you have quick exchanges with people I, you haven't seen in a while. Like, hey, man, how you doing? How's your workout going? And those are all positive things too. And then I yeah. just like seeing what people as a, I'm not, I'm not a, a trainer per se anymore, but I'm still a fitness professional. I'm still in this industry. Right. So I like to see what people are doing. What are people into right now? I want to have a pulse on that. What, how are people training? What are they into? What's going on? Right. So it just gives you a, it just allows you to be current rather than talking about things that maybe people did eight years ago the last time you were oh, ever right. in a gym. And people are going, what are you talking about? Nobody does that anymore. They're like, oh, man, the gyms don't have kettlebells. So like, every gym I go to has kettlebells. You know, so you have to <laughs> – if you don't go, you're not going to know. Most gyms right. have range for pull-offs. Most, most gyms have CrossFit-type areas to address that demographic. Right. Now, if you're someone who hasn't been in a gym in 10 years, you're going to think that it's just – Nautilus machines, hammer straight machines, and some dumbbells and cardio equipment. And those things are still there, obviously, but now there's a lot of other things that are there as well. And and there's there's things that people are much more aware of now. Right. So, yeah, man. Like I said, man, you know, build your tribe and and be selective with it. You know, don't necessarily build a tribe of energy vampires either. (laughs) So... But, you know, get a feel for that. But like I said, there's a benefit to being out there connecting with real people in the real world, not just the virtual world. But don't get it twisted. Sometimes you can build those real world relationships starting off online. You know? Yeah, that's so true. That, that, yeah. that works too because there's some buddies, you know, there's friends I've made that started out as, you know, people I've met either on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. And, you know, we found some common interests and we would like joke about certain things or we'll actually like in private talk about, you know, talk about certain topics or whatever else and and then just kind of go from there and then it's like you know well look man you're you're in houston i'm in houston you know hey man you want to just like you know hey we want to just meet up like at the range or you want to meet up at like coffee shop blah blah you know whenever you're you know, i'm off on this day blah 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 blah. all right cool you know maybe an hour or two you know boom and then kind of go from there and kind of feel people out and some most of the time it's been like we've known each other for years <laughs> you know so like I said, just kind of go from there. So that's that's the way you kind of use the whole online world to your benefit. You know, don't just go out there like, oh, I met this person online. I'm going to go meet them. And then you end up getting robbed or <laughs> or something like yeah. that. Like, be, be smart. <laughs> be smart. Yeah. Don't be don't be one of those people, man. Like, you know, still be alert and, and, and around. Yeah, I'm, not gonna, I'm, not gonna, 
I'm not going to meet up with everyone who contacts me from hearing me on the Rich Roll podcast and go, hey, man, let's get together for lunch. I like what you had to say on there. I'll go, yeah, I'm sure you do. You got to know me, but I don't know you at all. (laughs) 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 Yeah, man. So I think, yeah, I think that's a good place, like, to wrap that up. (laughs) I think so, too. Yeah, Yeah. give people something to think about, man. You know, get out there and meet some people, be real. And if you've got a product or whatever else, you know, you want to help grow that product, realizing that the product is really you, you know, really work on being a little bit more personable and just being authentic and giving great quality information. Whenever you're going on shows like like podcast or YouTube channels or something like that, or even having your own podcast or YouTube channel, you know, just being right. authentic because right. authenticity is, like I said, it's becoming rare, but it's a product that a lot of people are seeking. Okay, so if you got it, man, then share it. And other than that, like I said, man, just um, you know, just really remembering also someone else that was very authentic when they were here, and it's Charles Poliquin. So it's kind of how we kicked everything off with this show. You know, just paying homage to him. You know, looking forward to actually, you know, getting Christian on here and sharing his experiences with Charles as well and Scott Shetler yeah. as well. But yeah, so, yeah, yeah. that's Anymore. coming up. Look forward for that. Yep. So it just didn't work out today. So. With Christian getting locked up, but but the cool thing is, at least the police are actually coming to let him out. <laughs> it didn't work the other way around. <laughs> he'll be there right now, you know. <laughs> but look, but look, Christian, you're just gonna have to leave your car there, pick up your dogs, your pugs, you know, put one under <laughs> each arm, jump over that fence, <laughs> scale the fence, and you know, you'll be good, man. <laughs> you're gonna have to use some of that strongman training you just got into. Kick that fence down. Come on, you're gonna let a little. <laughs> Come between you <laughs> and getting out of there. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> so cool, folks. So other than that, you know what to do. Use that coupon code LLA, get ten percent off our products. Head over to Mike's site, MikeMaller.com. Head over to MyNewWarriorTraining.com. Share this episode with your friends and people who may not be your friends. <laughs> Share it on social media. You know that's that's one way to put social media to good use by sharing this episode on it and. Head over to whatever you listen to the show on. I'm sure there's a section for reviews and to rate this show. Go do that. Let us know what you think about the show, man. And um, other than that, head over to Patreon. Become a Patreon subscriber. There's going to be a lot more one-on-one shows. Well, just it's just us, and that's going to be for our Patreon subscribers. So it's going to be very – sometimes it's going to be like how we used to do it. We talk about various topics, and it's going to be some that are very specific. But like I said, it's just going to be just for Patreon listeners. That's what's coming up in probably the new year or before the new year. But it's happening, so you don't want to miss that. So go to patreon.com slash LLA podcast. Other than that, that's it. I've got nothing. Me neither. I'm going to talk down. (laughs) Right. So we'll catch everybody on the next episode. Take care, everybody. Take care, everyone. Bye.